This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Today on the show, we welcome Melissa Perry, who is the CEO of Products Labs. She is a, now a consultant for many big and small companies on how to set up a product team. She shares some of the lessons that she's learned over the years. She's a longtime PM. She shares some of her favorite product stories um, from her days working as a product manager. And she talks about some of the lessons that she's learned from seeing countless companies now as a consultant. So stay tuned you're not going to want to miss this welcome to rocketship.fm in season four of rocketship we are diving into everything product and growth rocketship fm is produced in partnership with product collective where your hosts michael Saka and mike belsito uh, my name is melissa perry and i'm the ceo of products labs 
so I started product management about 10 years ago, uh, working for a company. And I got into it because they were like, oh, you're an operations research engineer, you know, a little bit of code. And, you know, Photoshop, you could be a product manager. Uh, and I, yeah, so that's how I got started. Um, so they just kind of threw me in and uh, taught me the ropes there. And I really liked it. I, I loved what I was doing. And I, I enjoyed kind of working with um, the developers and working both with the design aspects. So I was also a UX designer, mm-hmm. combining those things with the ideas and just, just making things um, that I thought people liked. Okay. <laughs> uh, I kind of took that um, with my career, like that, that mindset of trying to create things that were valuable to people. But I learned uh, about in my second job as a product manager that I wasn't actually creating valuable things because I was never measuring it. So when I, I moved on to go work at an e-commerce company, um, well, first I was working, sorry. First I went to work as a developer for a little while and I hated it. Like within one week I was like, no, I don't want to be here. But I had a year long contract at a giant bank, hated it. Um, but when I left, I went to work for a startup and that's where really everything came together for me because I was given so much, um, power and so much like permission to just go do things, to break it, to try new processes. Uh, and that's really where I started like honing my craft and trying new things. And I quickly learned as soon as we got Google analytics, uh, that the things that I was building, people weren't using. So that was the first time I went, wow, (laughs) this is not good. (laughs) How do we fix this? And then um, that made me really invested in trying to hone that craft. And um, I went to a lean startup machine workshop around that time too, right when it was just getting kicked off. And they were talking about things as hypotheses and experiments. And uh, my background is all in improvement. Like Mm -hmm. that's what um, operations research really is, is kind of optimizing things, looking at the processes and improving it. So when I started seeing the frameworks that the hypotheses were putting out there for experimentation, it made so much sense to me. So I incorporated that back into my work. My boss um, saw what I was doing and was like, you should teach this. Like nobody's doing this as product managers, go teach it. Uh, And encouraged me to start my first class online in Skillshare. I got invited to start speaking after that. Um, And that's kind of what like kicked off the the consulting career that I have now. Uh, so I, I went to um, two more places before that, still was doing product management. I went to start a company in Italy. And then when I got back, that was a miserable mistake. But when I got back, uh, I started consulting kind of full time. And now I help um, companies. You, I like the mid-sized to, to larger enterprise companies um, kind of really figure out how do we create a great product organization? Yeah. Um, how do we train our product managers in the right mindsets? How do we structure ourselves? Um, how do we structure our strategy? What processes and cadences can we use with um, things like Scrum or Kanban, whatever you're using, to really just make great products? Like I, I want to see companies just succeed, right, in mm-hmm. satisfying their customers. Like that's really what drives me. So I'm curious, when you go into a mm-hmm. big organization, how do you start to identify some of the problems that they're facing mm-hmm. and why they're not building maybe the right product or they're not they're obviously not satisfied with their product process. Yeah. This is a, it's a really interesting one and I, I kind of take it from myself too. So when I first started consulting, um, I, I had like some doubts, right? I think any consultant will tell you when you first start, it's a little rough. It was yeah. going okay. I was just seeing myself, but I was missing working with teams and I would do a lot of workshops, but I wouldn't do a lot of longer term things. So I miss, I missed that piece. And I started interviewing at companies and I kind of came up with the same framework that I would ask in my interviews when I'd go in as a product manager that I use really to interview the companies that I, okay. I work with now. Um, so when I was trying to figure out if I would go somewhere full time, the questions that I wanted to ask were like, 
who, um, like, who am I reporting to, right? Mm -hmm. So product management organizations, um, they have a strong product leader in it, right? So I always look for who is a product leader and are they a product person? Okay. Um, I see a lot of people designate marketing as product leaders. I see a lot of salespeople come in as product leaders. Um, there are very few large companies who have a strong product management leader who's really well-versed in products. So I look for somebody... They don't have to have a huge history in product, but they have to get it, right? Yeah. Like they have to understand that. And if you've got buy-in on the leadership level for doing that, it clears the path really to start going. So I always look at that, like who who's going to be the leader there? Who's driving this? Who's moving it forward? Um, so I work, when I go in for an assessment of a company to figure out what's going on, I look at both the top and the middle and the bottom. And there's okay. very, you can see different symptoms at each part. So um uh, and the product owners who are like working on the ground floor, building stuff, product managers, product owner, product manager, I think they're the same thing. Um, but I look at those people who are working with the developers and I ask them, like, what is your goal? What is the vision? Like, repeat these things back to me. And I take what they say and then I go ask the same questions to their leaders. And if there's a mismatch there, I can see that there's no alignment, which mm. tells me that there's really poor communication across the lines and that there may not be a very concrete strategy from the top down. So if I'm hearing that... Um, Teams uh, cannot tell me what goals that they have. If I'm hearing that they're constantly changing priorities, that they're getting moved around a lot, that, they're, um, that they haven't really shipped anything in a while, I start to look at strategy problems. And that usually is what the root cause is, um, that the leaders at the top have not really set a clear vision and a clear challenge and objective and prioritized correctly there. Okay. Um, I also hear from the leaders on the other side, right, the same symptom they'll see from the people um, in the, on the teams, they'll say, oh, they can't prioritize, they can't choose, they don't have strong vision. And in order for people on the scrum teams, right, to have strong vision, the people at the top have to have strong vision right. too. Like everything really can tra be traced back down there. Okay. Um, so that's where I start with that. I also just look for the level of knowledge for people. Like I ask them about their processes, what do they do? I kind of observe. Um, there is all, there's lots of cases where product managers are very focused on just shipping, Okay. Right, just taking requirements down and shipping. And I see a lot of product managers go to stakeholders, gather the requirements, turn them into user stories, and just ship it. Okay. Um, they don't really come up with a solution. So I hear those stories a lot from them, and I also hear it from their managers. And some of those things could be traced back to root causes of um, you know, being measured on outputs and meeting deadlines for things rather than having goals in place. Right. Um, a lot of the things I dig into, I, I would say like 99% of the problems that I see is just a lack of understanding of where we're going and what are the goals that we need to hit. So it really comes down to the leadership. Yep. And and without clear leadership, mm -hmm. the product can't really do its job. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, I, I hear a lot from leaders that they just want their product managers to step up and take ownership. Um, and that requires a huge amount of autonomy. Mm -hmm. And they, they want to give them autonomy, which is great. But you can't have autonomy for teams until you set them in the right direction as leaders. Right. Right. Because you, you always have, have that the, conflict. Yeah. The North Star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that that seems to stem a lot. So when I first started consulting, um, quite a few people would bring me in and they'd be like, just go train my product managers. Right. Just go just go teach them what to do. And I would train them. But they would come back to me and say, I love everything you taught me. I want to do it, mm -hmm. but like I'm getting handed features from my boss. And so I go to those bosses and I say, you can't do that. If you really do want an effective product management organization, they're like, oh no, don't bother me. Don't bother me. Right. Like huh, I'm <laughs> right. not part of the problem. They just don't know what they're doing. And you do see that um, quite often. So okay. when I decide to work for, for a company, I will always go um, check with the leaders and see how much 
how much room there is to, to work with them as well. And mm-hmm. the companies that I do choose to work with, usually I start there. And if, if they're like, no, there's no leadership buy-in, I'll go, okay, I could do a workshop, but then you know, I'm not going to spend all we're my good. time here, yeah. but then we're good. <laughs> um, so the companies I choose to work with, I, I always look for that. Like leadership buy-in, a desire to really, really want to change, like knowing that something is going wrong. I find teams um, aren't ready for, uh, like they call it transformation. I hate that, but like they're not ready for those big changes okay. unless they're actually in trouble, right? Or unless Bro. they've had a yeah. failure, right? Um, because otherwise, it's like, why should I change? We're doing okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. So, um, and now, so that's kind of looking from the outside, and and when you are. Um, when you when you're filling the role of the product mm-hmm. manager on the inside, you had a really interesting framework for how to get that from mm-hmm. the leadership team and then translate it down mm-hmm. to your team. Um, help walk me through that, and and um, and and maybe even tell me a bit about where it came from, mm-hmm. right? Like, like yeah. how how you came to that being the framework. Yeah. So um, I've been studying a lot about like organizational dynamics from a bunch of different places and. Um, One of the things that I always found that resonated with me really well was something called Toyota Kata. So Toyota, um, everybody knows Toyota lean processes a bit more about reducing waste Mm -hmm. and, you know, just flow and stuff like that and come on, right? Um, Which is great. Those things really matter. But what really got to me is their continuous improvement mindset. So everybody at Toyota would practice something called the Kata, which is basically just assessing your problems and figuring out how to fix them. Um, and they did it religiously. Like every day, people would be just walking through this thing called a kata. Oh. And what would happen is their managers would come in and lead them through it. So let's say somebody on the assembly line, um, something, they can't put the tire on right or something something breaks, right? They can pull something called an ondan cord. Um, anybody can do this. They all are empowered to do it, which means we just stop. Okay. And a manager comes over and says, what problem are you facing? And they identify the problem. And then he says, okay, what do you think you can do to fix it? Right. And they walk through it and then they set a goal and they let the 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 person on the line, the line starts back up again Mm. and they try these experiments that they ran to see if they can improve it. So I really took that philosophy kind of with me when I um, started teaching product managers and when I did it myself. Um, And what I do is I try to evaluate everything as where is our goal and where are we trying to go and what obstacles or problems are standing in my way that I have to solve to get there? Like what questions do I have to answer? What do I need to learn? before I feel confident about making a hypothesis around what solutions should be here. Okay. So that's the, that's where the background came from it. Um, from a strategic standpoint as well, uh, the art of action had a lot to play in this um, strategy deployment process throughout the organization. And I think that's a really great book to read about. And what he talks about in the art of action is your strategic um, your strategy at each level is a framework so that the people below you can figure out what to do. So the, the leaders of any part of the organization, whether you're top, middle, bottom, whatever, um, you are always going to be setting kind of the, um, you're going to be stating the problem, stating what you need people to achieve with the outcomes, stating the vision of where you want to get to, making that as crystal clear as possible. Mm-hmm. And then saying, um, any guardrails, right, to keep people from doing things that you don't want them to do, any kind of boundaries, okay. and then you let them go do it. They figure out how to achieve those things. So this is what I use to kind of cascade the combination of those two things to cascade strategy throughout the organizations I work with. Um, so we start, like, at the CEO who kind of sets the vision for the company, right, and it's 
we use strategy, um, we use time horizons as well that goes down. So the CEO, small companies are going to be thinking five years out, big companies, 10 years out, right? Okay. Like it should be, as you grow, it should scale. Um, and then we go down to the different product lines or um, the VP of products. So if you're working on one singular product, like kind of like a Spotify, mm-hmm. then you might just have, you'll probably have one VP of product who kind of oversees the bulk of things. And they would be setting kind of like the vision for the software and how it manifests the company, right? Um, they would be stating the challenges. And there's usually multiple challenges. And the challenges answer the question, what do I have to do to achieve that vision? Like, what do I have to accomplish? What, do I, what are the outcomes? What are the big problems standing my way that I have to tackle before I can get to the vision? Okay. So you kind of lay those out. And then you let the teams figure out how to tackle those challenges. Okay. So it breaks down and it keeps going that way. And you also have to understand where you are now in order to get that. So I always tell people when they're breaking down strategy, like, no matter what you do, really, imagine the end state. Imagine it for, like, your customers. What's your, what, are, what do their lives look like? What does your business look like? What does your product kind of, like, do, right, mm-hmm. in, a, in a very broad sense, not in a feature-specific sense, but okay. in a broad sense, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? But where are you now in relation to it? And then what are those challenges? So that kind of gives you a whole view of these things that you need to come. So they come up with, um, at higher levels, these challenges end up being like themes. They're, they're like statements of problems along the way, but the intents for the teams to go work on. And this intent is kind of stated as like, I... I intend to do this to your boss. So that's what you would say. And your, your teams would come back and back brief up to their boss and say, I'm okay. In order to reach these goals, I intend to do this. Okay. So it gives them a sense of power, like some ownership, some autonomy over it. Um, so what you do is you break down like what you're going to do to get there. Like I intend to go, um, if I, for my example, right, it was doubling acquisition. So my, my intent, right. That was my goal. I say, I intend to increase the conversion rate you know, X percent by the end of the year by doing X, Y, and Z. Okay. And I have to experiment to figure out what X, Y, and Z is, but I know at least that these are the things I'm going to go after. Right, right. And then you get those kind of signed off on, yeah. and then and then you break those into your stories mm-hmm. and, yeah. and start. And a lot of work does go into um, to kind of figuring out, you know, where am I now? What am I going after? Like, you have to put that research in, and you have to put that time into understanding some things and doing sure. some spikes with your teams to, like, navigate areas and experiment a little yeah. bit. Um, but I also think it's important for product managers to say, I don't know, but I intend to go figure it out this way in okay. certain places when you don't have that information. So I think, like, things like uh, companies see Agile, and I see this a lot, they think when they do agile because it's iterative, Mm -hmm. it's a replacement for strategy, right? Ah, Like, oh, we'll just experiment our way into something. Um, And I fully believe in experiments, but I don't believe you can experiment your way into like a very crisp strategy, right? Right. You need need to experiment. And I think product strategy emerges from experimentation, but you have to have a vision of where you're going. You can't experiment your way to a vision. I mean, like that's the concrete part. What... um Walk me through some of those tools, like, mm-hmm. you know, customer interviews, like th- that you're doing yeah. when you say, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go figure it out. What are some of those tools that you're using to potentially figure yeah. it out? I think um, I, I would say like the most important thing a product manager could do and the, the mark I look for for a good product manager is knowing what are the right tools to use at the right time. Mm. Right. Like the, I think I the more I teach, I wouldn't have said this three years ago, but okay. this, this is the thing that's dawning on me like very lately as I, as I keep training more and more people, um, great product managers 
just look at everything of a tool and say, I can, okay, I, I got my box. It's got 17,000 things in it, right? Mm-hmm. But they know that they have to ask themselves a question first of what do I need to learn, okay. right? So, um, so my process is usually looking at whatever goal I'm trying to get to and really writing out, like, what do I know and what don't I know? So do I know the problem? No. Okay, now I have to go figure out what the problem is. How can I figure out what that problem is? Can I do user interviews? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can get in touch with my customers so I can do that. I know who's having the problem or who's frustrated and in this goal space. Right. Let me go talk to them. No? Okay, that's when you have to use tools like Qualaroo or something or do some reach out to the public and try to figure things out. Can I pull data, right? So I ask myself always like, what do I know? What do I need? Or, and what don't I need to, what don't I know? So that becomes, what do I need to learn? And then I apply like the appropriate tool for that. Yeah. And that seems like a very, um, like if you were in a meeting, mm-hmm. right. And, and you're getting grilled on where are you going? Mm-hmm. It seems like a very appropriate response, um, yeah. rather than just saying, I don't know, yeah. but to actually know what you're going yeah, to do as do. opposed exactly. to just being like, yeah, people are afraid to say, I don't know. And I'm not afraid, like, that always didn't make sense to me. But I do see that, right? Yeah. When people say, I don't know, they just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But I think you just need to say, I don't know, and but I'm doing this to but learn I'm, it. Right, right? Like, right. And then usually every manager I've seen has been happy with that. Right. right? But if you just say, I don't know, and you walk away, they're yeah, not they're, happy. <laughs> right. Um, so tell me about, uh, a bit about a time when you've made, you know, a a decision to mm-hmm. move forward on something, but it wasn't quite the right one. Oh yeah. Um, so this is this is an interesting thing too. I I really firmly believe that when it comes to a standstill and you don't know what to do, you just have to take some kind of action. <laughs> sure. So uh, one of the ones that I I, I so when I was working for this uh, e-commerce company, uh, not e-commerce company. I'm sorry. When I was working for this meal delivery company. We uh, had learned that people could not find the menu on the site, and we decided to run an experiment to see if we could increase conversion rate by surfacing the menu okay. um, to them. And what we did was we were like, oh, let's just run a quick experiment. Like, we need to get something out in a week. Uh, so what we did is we looked at the funnel where people were dropping off, and we said, let's just put a link to the menu on that page where they're dropping off. And it wasn't... It didn't make a difference, right? First of all, it was it was it didn't make a difference. It didn't change conversion rate, but that was because it was a bad experiment. Okay, like we rushed into experimenting instead of really taking the time to figure out what was causing the problem for right. them to not be able to find that menu. And we kind of knew it. I knew it. Everybody knew it. it. There was a lot of politics at play, and we just didn't right. want to deal with it. Honestly, <laughs> like. It was all in the back of our mind. If we took five minutes, we all would have admitted it. Yeah. But it was um, one of these things where we had a very strong, very controversial design leader. Okay. And she did not want us to touch the front of the site at all. And that was uh, a war that I continued to fight the whole time. And the front of the site was a problem. Like it was what, where people was couldn't the gate, yeah. find the menu, right? It was hidden under this hamburger menu. And you couldn't see where anything was. So we had to redesign it. But... She wanted to take four weeks to redesign everything, and we wanted to just make sure that that was indeed the problem, mm-hmm. right? And we could, and we did end up end up running another test where we took away the hamburger menu and just put a couple links on top in a normal menu. Um, but it took me a while to fight with her to do that. Yeah. Um, so we decided to proceed with this experiment that we knew really <laughs> wasn't a great experiment, um, just because of the you know, the politics and the natures in it. Um, but I do see teams 
do that quite a bit. They they rush into doing whatever is easiest mm -hmm. instead of getting like their hands dirty and just starting with the hard problems and tackling it. And I think a lot of culture comes into play there. Did you? How did you eventually convince um, the design leader that like this is just what we have to do? Yeah, I used a lot of data, and I think okay. I just um, when we tested it, I, I will say. The experiment wasn't the right thing to do, but after we showed them, it wasn't going to help. There wasn't really many more things to change besides okay. the front of the site. <laughs> right. And um, with that, too, I could project how many people were not signing up because we now had a conversion rate that we could project um, into and show yeah. how much money we were losing. And it came down to me talking to the CEO with the design lead and saying, we need to do this. And him saying, let them do it, yeah. really, because we're losing this money. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's it's, uh it's great. And sometimes you got to, yeah. it's an iterative process to get there always, yeah. right? <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for, for this. Um, where, where can we keep up with, with yeah. you and your work? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I teach a school online called mm -hmm. Product Institute and we were open now. Um, we're, so we're open to the public and I also use it in-house for companies I train as well. So we have, um, we have different models for that as well. But for, for anybody who's interested, it's a 10-week course. You can sign up whenever, finish it whenever, and we have discussion sessions open for you as you continue through the course and our alumni so that you can get help and talk to expert coaches and each other and learn from it. So we've been doing that since January. Nice. Um, it's been really fun. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, I, I really enjoy teaching. So this is this is kind of my, my baby and my product as well because we, yeah. we just changed the format of it today, and we did a bunch of user research with our 100 people who have been using it so far and found out like they love the course, but they didn't like our coaching model. So we've changed it a little bit and mm. we gave some more value to the alumni as well to help re-engage that and, nice. and foster the community. So it's really, it's been really fun. It's been Who iterative. Is it? Who's it for? Um, it's for, I will say, it's not for people looking to break into the field of product okay. management. It's definitely for people who are currently product managers and looking to level up their experience a little bit. We go over um, we go over the basics at the beginning. So if you're a really experienced product manager, the first like two to three weeks might be a little slow. But then we dive like full core into how do you experiment? How do you use things like the product kata? How do you know when to use the right tools at the right time? Nice. So that's been fun. We've had people who have like six months experience to um, 10 years experience in there. And we have a lot of um, managers actually like VPs of product mm -hmm. in there and CTOs because they want to learn how to better teach their people and how to communicate sure. with them and grow them. So that's been really fun. So, nice. Yeah. Well, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank cool. you so much. All right. Thanks. <laughs> if you want to find out more about rocketship.fm, go to rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend or two friends or a lot of friends we would love it if you would spread the word and when you can go to rocketship.fm and scroll all the way down and leave your email with us we'll let you know about upcoming episodes but we'll also get you in on a slack channel with thousands of other product people and all sorts of other good stuff that we know you'll be interested in so go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter if you enjoy this content leave us a quick review um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple of days.